Okay. I'm just going to kill it here. Hello! Welcome to the Push a Shot Podcast, episode 58. If there were any technical problems, I honestly don't care, and you can go die. Because you know what? You get what you deserve, and we give you the content that you huddled masses, you filthy people. Skippy, what's up with you? Uh, not much. I don't think I've played a video game since we last saw each other. I've been very busy. Uh, work has been running late. I've been basically working and eating dinner and watching maybe an hour of like Nathan for you and then sleeping. Uh, You're a salary man now, is it? Uh, well, so actually, well, it's complicated. But before you get on to how complicated into. it is, I did start watching Nathan for you. It's and really I've been good. Keeping up with it, yeah, I really like it. Thank you. For I'd, the I'd seen like I'd seen so I'd seen uh, just random episodes because we had it on at one point when I was at like a friend's place and really loved the episodes that I saw. And I finally went back uh, in the last week and, and watched the episodes in order. And God damn, every, every single episode of that, first of all, is fantastic. It's great. Yeah. And just as a whole, I, I, that's definitely my top. Oh God. Two top top two uh, shows on TV right now. Probably Ooh, I don't know about three. That. Top two, two or three. <laughs> well, see, the, the the relevant is that I started watching season two of Fargo. Well, I say started. I watched the pilot episode of season two of Fargo, um, and it was a good episode. And I'm hearing that the entire season is really good, so I'm looking forward to that. But there's not much to say about it because I haven't watched any more of it. But uh, yeah, so I I. I feel like I get more out of Fargo, so it's probably listed higher than Nathan for you because Nathan for you is a very, it's a very specific thing. Uh, but maybe that's so, unfair. Did you see the show or the movie first? I saw the movie quite a while ago. Um, okay, and and it's definitely a show where you want to. Mo- <sighs> I've only watched, or I've only talked to one person who's seen it, and they only saw the show first. Which so seemed weird to me. I've seen the movie. Yeah. Watching the show first would be weird, not because the show directly like the show is really tenuously connected to the movie. Like it's not Plot yeah. you don't need to watch the movie to see the show, but you benefit from watching the movie for sure. And the and, atmosphere of the movie is so perfect. Yeah, like, just having that experience would probably make it. Different. The movie, yeah. First of all, the movie is a must see movie regardless of the show, but um. Uh, yeah, I, I apparently the second season more closely resembles the movie. Also, like the first season, kind of atmospherically and thematically, it was pretty far different from the show I and mean, from the movie. Um, but uh, I, I hear the second season's a little closer, and also kind of like darker and in its sense of humor and stuff. I don't know, but uh, I'm looking forward to that. I gotta finish my. I'm I'm like halfway through season three of Nathan for You, so God, I love it. I cannot, I cannot recommend Nathan for You. Well, I actually could because Nathan for You is not a show for everyone. I tried getting, <laughs> I tried getting my sister and brother-in-law into it, and they hated it. Um, so it's not like the kind of show for everyone. But if that's your kind of humor, like if you like the cringy kind of awkward stuff, it is just the best. It is really awesome. Uh, I love it so much. But uh yeah, no video games at all. Uh well, that's about it. I've been about the other way. My unlike you, his career is ramping up. My oh, yeah. academics up are ramping down for the end of the semester. Finishing up with the last finals, everything's basically done. Um I've been watching a lot of the West Wing. 
Mm. And I mentioned it earlier, but I think it, it bears repeating that it's a really good show, and uh, I recommend it highly. And I wanted to talk about just one thing with it, one specific thing. And this is kind of a general Aaron Sorkin thing as a writer. Oh, is it Aaron Sorkin? Yeah, yeah, he created the show. I like him. He's I like... We can get into it. Say what he's, you wanted to say. It's a very distinct kind of writing. That yeah. you can You can tell he wrote it. Yeah. But it's good. It's a... Anyway, something I noticed that is done effectively in the show is that characters don't tend to just state what they're thinking. Um, that they won't just come out and say whatever it is is on their mind. Oftentimes, they'll just kind of keep it in, and they'll just say, okay. And that comes up a lot, that there's these really loaded okays that are seriously prominent in that show. There's at least a few per episode where a character will just say, okay, and they mean a bunch of other things yeah. in it. And it's clearly a device that he likes, but it yeah. works. Um, he, he does it probably better than anyone else I've seen right that way. The thing about Aaron Sorkin is his devices, and I, I feel like he has... Uh, he doesn't have much of a grasp on how... I guess he's not... I'm not his demographic, and I don't think you are either, of like people who are pretty in tune with like cliches and and uh processes of storytelling and stuff where we we detect things like plot devices and cliches that he uses constantly and uh and sometimes that's fine like social network was actually uh, oh, yeah. a great movie i loved it um and uh, God, what else, what was the other one that he did that I liked a lot? I can't remember now, but um, but he also does shit that I hate, like um, uh, uh, fucking the newsroom, which just has some potential, conceptually has potential, but is executed horribly. Like, so he's he's got that that fast way of like witty dialogue and stuff yeah. that's that's really on the nose. Where it's it's kind of it's kind of Joss Whedon like in some yeah. ways. But I think it works especially well on the West Wing, yeah. Because the idea of that show is that you have these these people who are brilliant, just really, really sharp, um, working well below their pay grade because they actually care about doing good service to the country and to the president, right? And so that you have like, like it, it makes a lot like yeah, but it makes it makes a lot more sense. Because it's a super elite position that each of them occupies. Right, right. But them being insanely witty totally fits with the story. If it wasn't like that, if they were just regular people working somewhere, it, it wouldn't work. Yeah. The, the premise of the West Wing makes it work very well. The newsroom does shit like... So I'll give you specific examples. There's the scene that you've probably seen posted on Facebook and shit where it's like... It's the introduction to the show. It's the first several minutes of the show where the the anchor is at some kind of university uh uh i don't know like interview thing where where he and a few other what i assume like news anchors or something are being interviewed on stage uh, in front of an auditorium of students and they're taking questions from the students and one of the students come up comes up and she's like this like really typical looking blonde yeah. academic girl and she goes and she, her the question she asks is um 
what makes America the best country in the world? And and the first two news anchors that answer the question are like uh, freedom and and uh, uh, integrity or something. And and then it gets to him, and <laughs> and he goes on this rant about how actually America isn't the the best country in the world. And let me tell you why. And starts naming off statistics and stuff as to why America isn't the best country in the world, and that the question mm-hmm. is stupid, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, of course the question's stupid. You're you're making him look smart because the concept is so dumb. And then every episode focuses on so like it it takes place in like 2008 at least at first I think or something like that where these big news items that that were going on then this newsroom picks up on them before all the other news places do because they're so smart and they're like oh there's a BP oil spill well we better we better cover that and no, and they're like oh well none of the other news places are covering that but we will because da, 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 and it's just it's so fake smart almost like just like contrived i, I haven't i haven't seen the newsroom but i will Don't. say that 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 didn't that didn't come up for me at all in the west wing yeah that in the west wing the characters feel like they should be way smarter than you and they are right <laughs> so i think it works for for them one I last thing that i need to complain about with the newsroom is that like the main young intern who's the new guy in the office and the only sane man in the show or whatever is named Jim like the office and he looks like Jim and and he's got a crush on another lady in the office who's also in a low ranked position and she has a fiance that she's not so sure about but he has a crush on her and she obviously is literally the office Um, fuck that show I had to get that off my chest you don't like The Office? No, fuck The Newsroom for being oh, oh, for just oh. copying The Office. <laughs> okay. I love The Office. I, I haven't seen The Newsroom. I won't comment on it. But I, it. I, if he made it, I'm going to watch it. Don't, don't and, see it. Well, you know, what if I like it? You won't. What if I like it? You won't. Maybe I won't. <laughs> okay. Um, so I did some stuff. I released a Metal Gear Solid video. Oh, yes. Yeah. I promised last week on the podcast. I said, well, I promised. promised. Many, many weeks ago first. No, I didn't actually promise. Okay, okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. This time I promised. I said it would be out this week, and somebody said it'll be so Friday then. And I said, I didn't promise Friday, but I delivered Friday. Nice. So what does that fucking tell you? I have a confession. Um, I'm really proud of that video. I haven't um, seen the video yet. I I think you would like it. I was out of town all weekend, and so I couldn't watch it then, and then I forgot about it. You did retweet it. it, but... Yeah. yeah. Well, I gave you a courtesy retweet, of course. Yeah, a courtesy retweet. I'm no, I know it's Thank good, you so you know I know it's of content course, course, worth worth consuing. I just but haven't no, gotten around I was, um, to it. I mean, obviously, and we talked about this last week too. Obviously, I wasn't working on it. I'm gonna change the text thing. Obviously, I wasn't working on it that whole time. Clearly, but finding free time is hard, and allocating it toward quote unquote work for YouTube is another. Yeah consideration to make so i don't know it's been a long time coming i've been thinking about it for a while i wrote the script for it ages ago and um i gotta say that it's been very cathartic uh i feel i feel like i've completely washed my hands of metal gear solid at this point i don't care anymore i don't care What about when the multiplayer comes out i don't uh, maybe but i don't really care because i've i've said what i need to say within the same week I got really into The Witcher 3. 
Yeah. I'm completely fine. I am at peace. That's good timing. Yeah. Good timing. Tell me yeah. about Witcher 3. I'm glad, yeah. Okay, so Witcher 3. Witcher 3. Amazing. I knew it would be great. It's as great as I thought it would be. Yep. It's amazing. Really good. Uh, every quest that I do is interesting. Um, How far have you gone? I have... Okay, I'm in the Bloody Baron quest thing. Oh, okay. I just finished burying the fetus. Oh, yikes. <laughs> it's a great quest line, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> and even though that one seems especially good right now, uh, every quest I've done has been legitimately interesting. Like, mm-hmm. one where you there's like an abandoned village outside of a town, and... Um, there's a ghost haunting it, and you figure yeah. out what what happened. It's kind of the that tutorial this, mission almost. It's like yeah. the first investigative mission. That there's this woman who got dragged off, and you know you you find out what happened to her, and you you give her soul some peace. It's just very interesting. I also like how the ghosts, the wraiths, they take on like a separate persona from the people. They aren't just like the ghost of that person. Yeah, it's like the ill will and the pain takes on its own kind of form. And they treat and... them like a creature. Like, yes. you know, it's just a part of the world. It's not like this crazy foreign concept. Everyone's just like, oh yeah, it's, you know, it's haunted. Because that's what happens in this world, is things get haunted. Um, and you have well, to hire that's someone. What, to... That's what makes it so good, is yeah. that the peasants don't really get that. But yeah. Geralt gets to see it that way. Well, you get, yeah, you get you, the... You, the player, get to see it You definitely that way get, like, uh... You get different perspectives. And, uh... And it makes the world feel so real when you have people acting the way they should in the context of where they are in the yes. universe. And yes. that's something that, you know, Bethesda games and whatnot are just uh, aren't very good at. Uh, they, they don't... Oh, they're er- everything's from the perspective of the player in those those games usually. And, and, yep. and Witcher 3 thinks in terms of, like, how do we make this world believable? And, and the pacing, too, of just the game in general where, obviously, it's open world so you can kind of go as you will, but uh, you you come out of that first area, which I think is the perfect length. Like it has a lot of quests in it, and it feels big, but it's constrained enough to yeah. guide you along the way. And then you get released into the world, basically, and that takes you to the bloody barren quest line, where now you've kind of become familiar with how things work and how the world works, and you're kind of getting attached to. The story and and it, it it dives really deep into another character uh, at at the perfect time where like before in that whole first area you don't really get close to any characters and then yeah. instantly once you release in the open world it attaches you to the the bloody baron it, which is which is part of why fantastic I think Geralt is one of the most brilliant role playing devices ever. He's a, yeah. He so in a, most role playing games nowadays. You get to pick your character. You get to choose everything about them and their race, their name, and they're basically blank slates, and you choose anything in dialogue, and it's not rooted in any character. You just get to pick what happens. But when I play The Witcher, and this was also true of The Witcher 2 while I was playing it, that you feel like it's not just you, that you're there's a pressure to be a Witcher. Yeah. And what a Witcher is and how a Witcher acts is still up to interpretation, but you're guided in the choices that you make by this idea of being a witcher. 
And even though you might not totally act like a witcher all the time, you're still making choices that deviate from it intentionally. So, like, you're thinking of, okay, Geralt doesn't actually care about the politics here, but does he have a conscience? Like, it forces you almost yeah. to engage more with the issues. And they do. Because it's, it's not just a blank slate. It's not. It's a character with mysterious grounding, but still enough to feel like there's something to work with. Yeah. It's it's really refreshing. They ride the line between so choices usually are quite uh they they matter, you know, they change things significantly. Uh but no matter what you choose, it feels like something Geralt it's believable for Geralt to to make yeah. that choice. Uh cuz they're hard decisions, you know, and 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 he justifies them in his in his own way no matter what you do and uh it, that's that's got to be so hard as a writer to to oh, yeah. you know there's only one thing that a true character would do right but but you have to give the player that choice or you i mean they could have gone another direction with it but they give that the player the choice while still somehow maintaining a a consistent uh character and yeah it's i i i cannot say enough good things about that game and watching you i watched you stream for maybe an hour and just listening to the music again the music didn't strike me the first time I played through it, but but then a few months absence and seeing you play it again now, um, I I realized how much the music actually matters. It, it, it's yeah. not it's not very noticeable most of the time, but but it got it. It sets the scene really well. It does what what game music should do, which is stays in the background, but is kind of integral to to the atmosphere of of the of the of each scene it's it's really good i love it it is the music in particular the vocals in the combat tracks like that like it's so (laughs) it's there's nothing like it honestly there's no music like that in games it's really unique and 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 they use instruments that that sound like they're from the world and then I don't know if you've seen any yet, but sometimes like a band will be playing somewhere, and you can hear really? an actual soundtrack from the game no, being played by the yet. band. Um, sorry to spoil that for you, but yeah, that's just a random thing that happens. And uh, oh god, you just need to keep playing that game. It it stays good too. Like a lot of people talk about the ending, the last parts of it, and then there's like a, there's one part where it gives you like five different quests at the same time, and you have to choose. I'm not gonna spoil it, but. But I'm talking about like just the general pacing. A lot of people say, "Oh, well, I don't really like that section of it." But mm-hmm. I enjoyed it all the way through. There was definitely a point where I stopped because Metal Gear Solid Five came out. But then I got right back into it and had no problem just just finishing I'm, that game. I'm really glad that I just kind of get to power through it. Like I don't know, I'm a, I'm appreciating this experience. Yeah, yeah, it, it's good timing if if there's nothing else you're you're really into. And and I also recommend just play that game. Like role play that game as much as possible. Where oh, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, like I didn't use fast travel very often unless I needed to really I noticed get across great distances. I didn't distances. really want to fast travel most of yeah. the time. I wanted to to just go there and not mm-hmm. even on horseback. I wanted to like run there. Yeah, it helps that their system is you know signposts that you have to discover. So you're not just you can't just fast travel from anywhere. You have to actually get to civilization, kind of. Yeah. Um, but uh, and, and like even though. It seems like a small thing. The small things wind up building up and being the important things. That yeah. just being 
being forced to go back to a, a signpost to be able to fast travel somewhere, it, it gives you that extra moment where it's like, well, why don't I just go there? Yeah. And that is huge. Yep. And you can't that- understate how important that is in a role-playing game nowadays. In a game with fast travel, it giving you any kind of gentle nudge toward physically going to a place that's huge yeah that's something that red dead redemption did okay although it was more spread out so there was a little more incentive to use this fast travel because of the amount of time it took but yeah you give give people uh, you know a horse to ride on and scenery to look at and maybe some things along the way to find those little incentives basically if you make your game good enough people aren't going to want to skip sections of it exactly that's that's really really what we're getting at is that like the, the like yeah you 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 giving the ability to fast travel anywhere people aren't going to use it if they're having fun getting to point from point a to point b and you know that's something that just calls three i haven't fast traveled in just calls three except maybe like once or twice because wingsuiting there is much fast much more fun it's much slower but it's totally worth it um there's just no need and uh yeah it's 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 such an awesome game. And and the expansions have come out, or one expansion has come out, The Heart of Stone. And I, I want to finish The Witcher 2 before I get back into The Witcher 3 just to keep things consistent in my head. But um, the next expansion, they showed some screenshots that didn't actually look like screenshots. Did you see those? No. You should... I'll try to find the, the screenshots and show them to you. They... I saw it like that. It was a, it was in a tweet, and so the, the the picture was kind of small, and I thought it was concept art. And then I enlarged it, and you can tell that there's actual in-game yeah, assets in there. Yeah, and it's it was like I I don't get those moments a lot, you know, of like actually being fooled by a game screenshot. But I was by this one. Um, so apparently they're adding a whole new area. Uh, you know, part of me is grateful that a company called CD Project Red, <laughs> yeah can be successful based out of poland yes yeah uh they're just that's what i've noticed that they the production of the witcher 3 is so good yeah like it is made so well this is a superbly crafted game on every level and even just on so i noticed dithering is very apparent in metal gear solid 5 Mm. that when you look at like bushes if they're close to the camera the way that they fade out is through something called dithering where they kind of do it through dots and they find certain approximations of color tones until they fade out completely i I went really deep into that stuff at one point where someone actually posted a blog post about grand theft auto 5's like graphical uh process of like step by step what's going on in each frame what's being built and it was really interesting i I might actually look that up and, and link it in the description but uh Anyway, go on. It was it was really interesting if you're interested in that stuff. Yeah, and what I noticed was that the Fox engine is incredible, and I'm not going to deny that. Yeah. But for all that work that went into that, the dithering in The Witcher 3 looks better. Mm-hmm. When an object is close to the camera, the way that it fades out, it does it the same way, but it looks more natural. And, yeah, I and I think really a lot of it is what just technically has made it look more natural, but they they put the effort in and they made it supremely polished. Yeah. I mean the Witcher way. 2 looks really good too. You know, I'm playing it especially for its time. We we both have played it quite a quite a bit after, you know, it came out 
several years ago, a little less than several, <laughs> like more than three years ago, I think. Um, and graphics haven't changed a lot in that time, but like Witcher 2 could be a brand new game and I'd be totally fine with, with the way it looks and more. Like it actually looks fantastic. And and then 3, you know, I think it's the same engine or like a, a derivative of the wow. engine, but it's open world and Witcher 2 wasn't really as open and... It's just amazing what they do with what what you can assume is a pretty small budget. I mean, not as big as like Metal Gear Solid Five, for example, but uh, they do amazing things with it. And and I think part of uh, part of the reason that things like Dithering are are less noticeable is because the art direction is so effective, where you don't notice it because you're not looking for it or not looking at it. You're 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 just absorbing the world as a whole. Yeah. Um, and God. Yeah, it's it's very well made, and and yeah, CD Projekt Red, it just in general, in every aspect of that company, it's it's refreshing. It's it's a, a, a ray of hope in the video game industry. Yeah, um, although I mean, this year's been great, regardless of of The Witcher, but like they they make such great games, and and God, they've got that Cyberpunk game coming out. I don't Cyberpunk know when twenty seventy seven. Yeah, and that's that's got to be a good game. I, I I love that company, um, and they support their games really, really oh, well yeah, too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, giving giving you bang for a buck for when it's DLC and also doing free updates. It's cool. Good for them. Good for them. And I don't have much more to say for my week. Skip, you said you didn't do much. I didn't. Why not? Tell us a story. Something um, interesting about your life. Oh, jeez. Well, I went to Nashville over the weekend. Okay, uh, how was that? I it was all right. I watched a basketball game. Auburn played MTSU and lost. You saw live. Yep, uh, in there. person, live in wow. person. Wow. Um, it's fun to go to basketball games live. It's it's I can't watch them on TV because in basketball only like the last five minutes really matters. But when you're there in person, it it's it's way more. Yeah. It's way more entertaining, and you know, the 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 crowd gets gets amped up when you're when the team's doing well. I, I love the way the crowd responds to what's happening on the court, and like how quickly yeah. the mood can shift, uh, and and how it. I guess you know the the classic thing is that you feel like you're actually uh, you can actually yell out and and the the players hear you. You know, people are trying to mess up for, uh, free throws mm-hmm. and stuff, and <laughs> it's just a lot of fun. I I I love going to basketball games. I don't do it very often though, but uh, yeah. And then we went out to the bars and. I don't know. I don't have an interesting story, really. It was just it was just your typical night out. <laughs> I wish I wish I I was a crazy enough person to tell you an awesome story, but I I'm not. There you have it, folks. Skippy is a crazy partier. Yeah, yeah. I get down and I get down and crazy. Partying. Okay. So System Shock Three officially confirmed, right? Did we talk about this last week? We did. Okay. System Shock Three was. I don't know. At this point, I don't know if it was a leak or a rumor that was heavily supported, but whatever it was, System Shock 3 has now been officially confirmed, whatever that means. Whatever. It's technically happening now. Yeah. Is, I guess what you can say. I mean, I think it's exciting, but also... Yeah, I mean, it's it's ripe territory. I mean, you can't deny... That there is interesting stuff you could do with the System Shock premise. I'm I'm glad this is that, whether or not they're gonna do it well is. I'm glad that they're doing that instead of just a, a remake. 
uh, like you're getting so many yeah. of, you know, get, getting so many remakes now and, and someone's actually deciding, let's just fucking fuck it, make a sequel. And they'll probably do a remake also. But uh, yeah, it's it's cool to see. I, I, I hope they do it justice, but I was never a huge... I, I never played System Shock except like later on, at, way after it was came out and I didn't stick with it. So I don't know. And Bioshock I never got into either. So if it's something like those games, eh. I, yeah, it's probably just not for me. That would be something I'd be interested in, is an HD remake of System Shock 2. Yeah. Yeah, that would be an HD remake that I would actually it. check out, for sure. I haven't finished System Shock 2. Yeah. It's not because I didn't like it or anything. It was just too dated for me. I, it, it and is I feel super terrible dated. for saying that, but like it's just you should. It's hard. It's hard to go back to that. Yeah, because it's not as good as what we have now, and that's I mean, just the, a plain, simple fact. The inventory and skill management systems in that game don't work the way you expect those kinds of things to work because you've been playing them a certain way for years now, and I think that's reasonable to. That's that's what made me stop playing. Is just like okay, I can't. My mind can't shift to what this game wants me to you know like it, it, yeah. it's such a drastically different thing and i in some in some ways i like that but it's also objectively worse in a lot of ways like just the mechanics of it yeah for these old games it feels like you should be able to like reset yeah. your mind and work from scratch and oh wow i have an agility stat i should manage that carefully and but it just does you don't think that way anymore yeah now you have certain ideas about what stats matter and what stats don't and what it's just it's hard to go back to that that model and maybe it's a better model where everything was valued equally and you know everything was kind of uncertain i mean it's pros and cons right like uh, morrowind so progressively, Elder Scrolls games have been getting kind of dumbed down in, in terms of skills and skill management and that kind of thing. But there were also this is this is something I liked about the Elder Scrolls, about Morrowind in particular, uh, where you could exploit the mechanics in really crazy ways. Oh, yeah. um, uh, so there, and they were just inherently flawed in a lot of ways. Like people jump around constantly in, yeah. in, that, in those games just when they're traveling. And so their agility stat just goes fucking crazy. And like I did that in Oblivion and I got like by halfway through the game I was jumping up on a rooftops with yeah. a single button press. And it's and cool, I, it's neat, but it's also totally fucked up and unintentional. Uh <laughs> and sometimes that stuff's cool, sometimes it's it's it, it actually fucks up, you know, what what they're trying to do with the game. So I, I I get the idea of of making things simpler and more like there's there's a part of me that actually really likes the like brevity of that game design of like just here's as simple as we can make it, but also they take it too far in a lot of ways, especially when you come when you when you're going into those games for complexity. But uh that's that's yeah. Everyone's been debating that for literally decades. Um all right. We've got big news. Okay. Big news people. Kojima Productions is now a legitimate entity, baby um, Kojima's contract, Hideo Kojima's contract, expired officially on December 15th in the year of our Lord, Anno Domini, 2015. And he is now free agent. Well, he now has his kind own of. company. Yes, <laughs> I mean, he does have his own company. Kojima Productions is now its own company, but he does have a partnership with Sony. Yeah. Um, at first, I was really 
not too happy about that. Although, like, really? okay, Sony's fine, but like, I didn't like the idea of it being a console exclusive. But then, like, less than a day later, it came out that oh, uh, it's just going to be timed exclusives, not not literally an exclusive. Well, when I read it, when I read it. Like the the video on PlayStation's channel said that it's going to be a console exclusive. Sure. Which, from all my many long years analyzing the video game industry, I know, and we both now know, means it's going to come out on PC, but it's going to be delayed. Yeah, it's so, it's they the terminology that they use for that stuff is gets really confusing actually and sometimes they use console exclusive sometimes they use the same term terminology to mean different things but yeah i'm happy those games will eventually be making it to the pc um hopefully in a relatively timely fashion but the thing that made me happiest through all of this was not seeing the name microsoft anywhere yeah (laughs) like that's all i needed just don't partner with microsoft please I mean, I just I don't think I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world. And Microsoft's got well, a lot. Well, maybe better. not objectively, but for me, because I don't own an Xbox One. Oh sure. Like I I have a PS4, you know. But if when's Kojima's, this game gonna come out? By the time Kojima's, this game comes out, there might be a new generation of consoles. No, I don't know about that. I think <laughs> that the generations are gonna get longer and longer. This one's gonna be a long haul. Maybe, or I, I could also see it going shorter. I mean, you've got. Who knows what the fuck Nintendo's making? Yeah, with NX, bad. maybe it'll go shorter. But uh, if if Nintendo NX is more powerful than the PlayStation Four, yeah, then yeah, that'll clearly put pressure on. I mean, it, we've but, reached we've reached the point in game development where it's harder to it's harder to make games that that push the limit of the systems because there's no point. Like people aren't the high graphics aren't really in demand anymore. Uh, not the way they were last generation. So, so in that aspect, like, yeah, uh, this generation could last a really long time if people continue not to care that much about how good their game looks, but also things like VR could push it forward depending on its popularity because it's hard to do VR on not great hardware. Like it's a, it's a pretty demanding, uh, demanding thing so yeah. it, it, that stuff's really really hard to predict um and i don't know it's kind of it is kind of irrelevant to this though i i, I don't know how, i don't know when to expect a game though like he's got the fox engine right so do we don't know that i don't think he does i don't know i haven't point, heard i don't think he does the last i heard konami owns the fox engine that's fucked up i guess they're using it for their pro really evolution soccer know. I don't know. I don't either. Uh, but if they do but have a Fox I don't, engine, I don't that could think make things a lot faster. It. it would be he a lot. Just, it would be a big help. It would be a help, but honestly, Unity and Unreal Engine are both. They've both surpassed the Fox engine on a technical level. They have. Like I wouldn't know. I, I mean, I, I've been trying to keep track of that kind of stuff, and from what I can tell. Unity 5 and Unreal Engine 4 are on par or better than the Fox engine. Yeah, I, I can't no tell the difference. There's no real advantage the, Konami. Those game engines have become good enough and versatile enough that it's a lot harder to say, like, oh, this is clearly... Like, it used to be... Unreal Engine 3 was, had a style to it. Like, you could oh, tell yeah, a yeah, game yeah. was in... It had, like, that shiny texture and glossiness. Yes. Uh, Everything yeah. had this, like really distinctive 
Sheen. Yeah, I didn't like it. It was it, I, I I did not like the the look of those games. And then like Unity games also used to have a pretty distinct like simplicity to them. Like they were uh, uh, several years behind their time. Um, that's but now what, that's been the weirdest thing that Unity used to be like a joke. Yeah, like literally, you'd say, "Oh, here comes a game on Unity," and and it would be like you think of a glitchy mess. When I think of of Unity, honestly, first I think of Autism Simulator, that game where you like walk around a playground. Oh yeah, as an autistic kid, and then when you get close to people, it makes a bunch of screechy, <laughs> staticky noises. That's what I think of when I think of Unity. Yeah, that and this other game where you're like walking around this space abyss. I don't I have like any specific signals. games in mind, but I just ima- I just think of like characters moving with very simple animations and yeah. like a not great lighting it system. Doesn't, it doesn't feel like a real engine. Yeah, but there's you you can make legit stuff out of it. I mean, they've shown that you can. Well, the newest yeah, I mean, the newest iteration of Unity is apparently really good. Like it, you can make whatever you it's, want. With it's it, on par at least with Unreal. Yeah, and 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 Unreal had to change their whole pricing schedule or, or pricing uh, model. Uh, yeah, model to, uh, to, to compete, basically, uh, yeah. because Unity was, was good enough to, to be an, an actual alternative. It's, that stuff's exciting, because like, it's oh, wait, become absolutely. a lot easier to make games that are really, really awesome looking. Uh, everyone yeah, was like, like, freaking out for a while of how, like, oh, games are getting too hard to make, and so we're, we're reaching a point where like, we can't make better looking or better running games because it'll cost too much development time, but the engines get, get better as we go as well. And it actually becomes just as easy or I'm not a fucking game developer. So I'm probably talking out my ass and there's maybe some game developer screaming at his screen right now. But like, that's how it feels is that, is that indie games are getting better and better looking with not more, with not a whole lot more budget put into it, uh, which is awesome. I mean, yeah, it's getting cheaper to make good-looking games. I was about to mention Undertale for being an example of a game that was indie and good, but you can't you can't like you can't say that Undertale was a product of its time, really. That it could have come out in twenty eleven. Yeah, easily. That it's not like technology enabled that to happen. That was a creative thing that just happened to have happened in 2015. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like indie game development is getting more accessible. I've honestly yet to see an indie game that gets me excited. Like graphically, or just in general? In general, I don't care about graphically. Well, Undertale. <laughs> Got you. Uh, you know, Undertale. I yeah, I know what you're saying there, but what I mean is, there isn't a significant presence of indie games in the good game circle, if that makes sense. It, well, yeah. I mean, like they still haven't become good. <laughs> <laughs> they still haven't become. They they still haven't become like legitimately toe to toe with AAA games i guess is what you're saying but i do think they're getting close it's more depressing and I don't... than that to me i think that the triple a's are staying the same and indies are shooting for a lower bar maybe just... i don't mind indies shooting for a lower bar though i like indies being smaller experiences in general um like i like of them, Ethan Carter. I like them being limited in their scope 
but I want them to go for it as hard as they can. Ethan Carter did that. Yeah. That with within what Ethan Carter was going for, Ethan Carter did its job phenomenally. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, just as a tangent, um, I downloaded the Unreal Engine 4 version of that, and I plan to replay it because that's a really good looking game on Unreal Engine 3, and I want to see what it looks like. The the yeah, the newest one is the only version I played. I I I played it after that came out, and uh, it looked good. But I don't know how much better it looks than the original. <laughs> So, but that that an indie game can look that good is, mm-hmm. is a statement. Definitely, really. uh, and and yeah, I mean it's a very fleshed out game too. Like it's not, oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's not, not just small. it doesn't just look good. It's not like small as you would expect a, an indie game to be. Uh, it's it, it's short, but like you, that they've built oh, yeah. a pretty sizable you know actual world. Uh, you go places. Yeah, it's it's cool. I don't know. I I I'm more optimistic. I I I like the way the video game industry is looking at the moment. Uh like 2015 was just a huge 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 boost of of optimism for me. Uh I agree. Just a huge variety of awesome games from tons of different places, you know. It, and and <laughs> it makes me a little scared for like next year not being nearly as good as this year, but that would be a hard standard to reach. So Next year we have the last guardian. Yeah, that's true. All we need. That's, that's it. That is gonna be a good game. <laughs> yes. I don't know if it'll live up to the hype though. But uh, I don't think it really needs to. That a lot of the hype came from it being kind of limbo stage yeah. for a while. And, yeah. I mean, I guess people will probably expect that, that game it's been, to be exactly what it is. You know. Now that it's been officially announced, I'm expecting something like Ico or Shadow of the Colossus, and yeah. that's what it's gonna be. Yep. Which is awesome. Yes. All right. Have you, have you seen Have you seen Nintendo's patent? Is this the NX Touch thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've made they or they've Telex patented systems. they've patented a a controller that is also a screen, uh, sort of like the Wii U controller, except more screen, less controller. Um, there's two. It's basically just yeah. It's basically just like. A normal looking very large controller without buttons, just two joysticks, and the screen goes all the way across, so like around the joysticks and everything. And I guess you it has a touch screen to press the buttons. If you were gonna replace anything with touch screen, it should be buttons, not analog sticks. I hate touch screens more I than do anything. Too. I do too. But what I'm saying is, I know what you're saying. You can do so much more with analog analog sticks than with analog buttons. Yeah, like emulating an analog stick on a touchscreen is is a terrible experience. Horrible, uh, impossible. And you can do a button just fine because all it requires is a tap. But still, fuck it's not that. Great. It it looks terrible. But that does not mean that they're doing anything with it. And it's actually, I would say, it's more likely than not completely unrelated to the the NX because it, this is considering that the NX has been in development it would be weird for them to make a patent for this all of a sudden and i don't know it, it's it doesn't people are freaking out about it a little bit and i i don't see it i i think it could just there's, be completely a no red reason to freak out yeah what i mean if you if you're a nintendo you say hey we've got touchscreen games 
We want to really get down that touchscreen market, baby. And so what you do is you put together a working prototype of a fully touchscreen controller. Once you have it working, once you have a working prototype, you file for a patent. Yeah. And then you have it. And that's all you do. Like, it doesn't really mean all that much more. Yeah, and it might, we might never see it. It might just completely not be a thing. Uh, in fact, probably more likely yeah. than not. All that means is is that if they ever decide to do something with it, then they've got the patent. That's yeah. it. But we are getting extraordinarily close to the release of the NX. Did you realize that, like, I think that they scheduled that for a 2016 release? What they said is that they're going to give more information in 2016. That's I've it. heard rumors of a 2016 release, and I don't know the origin, but uh, I, I, we I've are getting close. Those, though I've heard rumors as well. I'm not inclined to. Wasn't the them. Wii U shown at the E3 the same year that it was released in stores? I couldn't actually tell you. Because Pretty sure the, it was. The Wii U was marketed so poorly. I didn't really it know was. what it was, it was until very... after it came out. But like, I think they had it playable on the show floor at E3, and they—that's the first time anyone saw it or even knew what it really was. Or call or what it was called, and then like a few months later, they had it demoed in stores, and then it was out that those holidays. I think I don't know, I don't know why they would change that for the NX, like change that release. Well, I do know because the Wii U was a failure, but I I, I feel like if they're going to show it at E3, which they've said we're going to show shit at eight, at E3, uh, that you would the logical conclusion would be 2016 holiday release, but uh, who knows? I. I'm just interested to see what the hell it is. Uh, Me too. Because it's going to be something interesting. It's Nintendo. It's hardware from Nintendo. It's going to be something unique. Uh, I hope it isn't something completely shit. I'd say there's about a 50% chance. <laughs> uh, this is their their moment. Yeah, this is they make could, it or break it a little bit. They could push themselves well above the competition at this point. Because there's no way a PS5 is coming out. In the oh next yeah, two years. they're not. They're yeah, they're There's not going to be directly no competing with the next generation of consoles. No way. So, so like, no, I don't. I'm not talking about Nintendo. I just mean there's no way that Microsoft or Sony are going to respond with a yeah. PS5 or an Xbox 722, whatever they fucking call it. But like, if there was ever a time where Nintendo could assert technological dominance, it would be now. Um, and, and that technological d- dominance doesn't have to be like first thing people think of is hardware and how like how powerful it is but but technical dominance could mean a unique innovation in how you play the game or how the game is who knows transmitted or whatever um, if it's if it's unique and it works then suddenly you've got another Wii on your hands where it's like holy shit everyone wants this thing because it's the only thing out there that, that's doing it um, I'd be interested. It's going to be, I, I, I guess it's not a direct, it won't be a direct competitor or anything, but it's kind of interesting that this is going to probably be coming out very soon after VR is becoming a thing. And that's true. And so you're going to have potentially two crazy on their own things in the video game hardware front. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for VR. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that could actually be really cool. Uh, the stuff they showed in the PlayStation Experience has Just, some potential. I I am so, and I know many people are along, thinking all in these lines that I'm hesitant to adopt this technology early. 
Oh yeah. I only ever want to own one VR headset. I just don't <laughs> want to have to do more than that. I want to buy one thing, and I want that to be my thing. Period. And I mean, it's looking like it's looking like ha- what you're gonna have is you're gonna have if you want one for the PS4, then you're gonna get the Sony one, obviously, and. If you want one for just playing your games and not, so if you want one for like more of a a crazy immersive living room experience of like getting up and moving around, that's what Valve has been showing with the Vive or whatever. And if you want something to sit at your desk and use, it it's probably going to be Oculus. I think that they're kind of they're kind of being separated in a ni- like a little little niches, but uh, it's hard to say. And I also don't. I don't know who's going to buy the Sony one. I, I don't know. We're having, no some, we're having some conversations in the chat. Yeah, right we now. are having a chat. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Like uh, The Sony one seems like a terrible investment because you're locking yourself into a console. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe it's going to have some... Well, it definitely will have some exclusives, but it looks like it's going to be mostly shit that, that you could also do on the PC and a lot more on the PC. The PC, you have to get a, this for the PC so that you can oh, have like yeah. mod. Like I know that modders are going to have a field day retrofitting VR onto Here, older games. Thing. If you if you care about VR, you are not like unfamiliar with the PC ecosystem. Yeah, there's no way. And so, even though the PlayStation VR is kind of interesting, because PlayStation. Let's be honest, in PlayStation's history, they've gotten some of the most some of the most quality like third-party developers exclusives yeah. for them. But really, if you're going to invest in a new tech like VR, you want something flexible. You yeah. want something that's going to give you the most possible value for the money you put down. Um I feel like PlayStation's going for like the kind of ignorant As, market of this looks like a neat thing to buy my kid for his birthday or you know yeah as a ps4 owner i have a ps4 it's a couple centimeters from my feet right now i will not buy a playstation vr i would rather buy an oculus because i want yeah. something that works with my computer something that's flexible something i can use for anything and that's just how it is i want if i'm the enthusiast market that's what i want I hope VR does become a thing, and I really want to. I I really want to see modders get behind VR and 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 like modded into shit that that wasn't meant for VR. You know, I want to see like older yeah, games yeah. in VR, just stupid shit like that. Um, that's just fun to mess with. Like I, I want I, solitaire VR, baby. <laughs> hell yeah! You know, give it to me when the cards flip up on the screen. You're like freaking out. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I actually do think that VR could be like maybe not the next big thing or anything but a a successful a successful uh alternative to you know no no it's not even really an alternative it's just a god what do you call it there's nothing it's almost like owning a joystick i guess like you you play certain kinds of games and you want a certain kind of experiment experience and it's never going anywhere because you're always going to have people using it i hope that's what vr becomes i it's not going to take over the gaming market. It's not going to be 3D TVs. They're the next thing. Everyone's going to have one. Uh, but That's just bullshit. I mean, 3D TVs, everybody expected 
3D movies are big. People are I saw people saying movies. it was the next color, and I that everyone think, was. I don't think VR is a trend necessarily. That there, yeah. there is a legitimately cool aspect to to seeing things that way. Yeah, that you can you can put that on anybody's head, and they're going to think, "Wow." So long as that's true, I think there's a market. Yeah, 3D is not the case. If VR actually delivers in the way that people are talking about it, like I haven't, I haven't experienced any of the. I experienced one of the very earliest Oculus Rift things. Uh, my cousin bought one, and it was just the dev kit, and yeah. the resolution was terrible, so bad that it was most games were completely unplayable with it. Uh, but if if they've actually sorted that stuff out the way that people talk about, and and that they, it's actually gotten to the point where. People are literally amazed by some of the things that they see in VR. That could be, it could be huge, and it could, it, yeah. To tell you the truth, I have never put any kind of AR thing on my head. I'm excited to eventually do that. Yeah, I want to see what it looks like. Yeah, definitely. It'll probably impress the shit out of me. Yeah, and just out of curiosity alone, it's like if the Oculus is whatever, two hundred bucks. Like I could, I could, I could dish out two hundred bucks to see this crazy new tech stuff that might not actually go anywhere. I don't know. I, and I think that Oculus will be the thing. I don't think that Vive is going to... Yeah. I don't think there's going to be like direct competition where, where half the people are using one and half are using the other. I feel like Vive's going to do its own thing. And Valve hasn't pushed... like they, don't, they didn't push their Steam machines that hard or anything. Like It seems like they just yeah. come out with this experimental hardware just to see you know what they can do with it. Uh, I, I don't know what they're really thinking with that stuff, but uh, hopefully... God damn it. Hopefully you don't have games coming out specifically, you know, this is a Vive game. This is an Oculus game exclusive for these systems. That would be fucked up. It would be fucked up, but really if you're going to have stuff like this survive, you need exclusives. You need like reasons to buy into the exclusive ecosystem. Yeah. Anyway. Last thing. On the list, uh, did you see the uh, the CSGO update? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Go ahead. I've got one minor, similar thing. Okay, but it's smash related. It is. <laughs> um, I haven't actually played this since the update, but CSGO came out with an update that everyone's freaking out about because they added. It's actually really cool, but horribly unbalanced. Uh, they added a revolver into CS:GO. I heard this. Yeah. And, I haven't played CS:GO since like last year. Yeah, and I'm so glad about that every day. But please tell me, the revolver is really cool looking. Um, the concept is that to shoot the revolver, you have to pull back the hammer first, and it gives you so. Well, you're not pulling it back with your thumb, or like you know, the guy on the car- the screen is just pulling the trigger, and the hammer has to go back, and then he pulls the trigger all the way, and it goes forward. So it takes like. I don't know, three quarters of a second to actually shoot the gun. Um, and you can't just keep the hammer back. You have to wait three quarters of a second and then it fires. And so it's kind of like the, I guess, did you ever play like Halo 3 or whatever that had the, yeah, yeah. the Spartan laser? It's kind of the but same concept of like, it shoots when it shoots and, and you're not, you have to time it kind of. Yeah. And uh, the crazy part of it is that it is literally as powerful as an AWP. Uh, it is a one hit counter strike it is a one hit kill from like close to medium distance or something and 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 then like 99 damage you know it's it's if you play counter strike right now you're a fucking piece of shit damn shit 
I kind of want to get back into it. Um, but you can also right-click and fire it just wildly, and it's just a random spread and not very accurate. Uh, but, like, close range, that shit, it's like having an auto shotgun that also is one-hit wow. kill. Um, it, it's a bunch of bullshit. Like they're, they're if there's a, anything Counter-Strike needed, it's ambiguously overpowered sidearms. I assume... I assume they're going to nerf it drastically uh, very soon. I mean, the same thing happens with like every update, every major update where they like add something big to the game. Is that it's crazy, crazy off balance, and then they and then they fix it. Uh, actually, the thing the thing that nobody's talking about that's actually a, a crazier thing to me is is that they they made like really small tweaks to the M4 and the AK, which are the two main weapons in the game, where they don't work the way they used to like they're a little bit nerfed they you can't uh like you can't tap shoot accurately as 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 quickly as you could you have to wait longer which is weird because those guns were fine the way they were i don't know i don't know what they're thinking with that game so it seems like they're making a lot of updates that aren't really necessary uh but who knows i i don't know i i like that game a lot and i want to see it I want to see it supported in a good way that keeps it going, uh, and I hope I hope they don't just ruin it. So there you have it, folks. Skippy is a terror sympathizer. Please send him all of your your emails related to terrorism and the Bush administration. Skippy, you like hearing about the Bush administration? I do. Okay, please send him emails about George W. Bush. Send me the emails. Let's hear about Smash and then end this shit. Yeah, this is minor, but um. Smash. Smash, 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 smash. Uh, there's been more and more. I don't want to call, quite call it controversy, but the um. Okay, the Project M community is mostly centralized around Reddit. There's a Project M subreddit that has quite a bit of readership, called RSSBPM. And the moderators, some of them, are members of the Project M development team. Those people, as you may know, have since disowned Project M as a project. And the discussion that's going on right now is whether or not the community should stick with Project M 3.6, which is the last officially released version of Project M by the Project M development team, or whether people should move to Project M 3.61, which was leaked, but all it did is fix a couple of bugs in Project M 3.6. When the project shut down, they said Project M 3.6 is the last official version but the problem is that anybody can just download this this 3.61. Why would they say the that? Is there is there some kind of glitch in 3.61 or something? Yeah, there is. Or, or 3.6. In 3.6 there are a couple of issues. They're relatively minor, but it's like Kirby has a certain neutral B if he absorbs Ganondorf and Link's grab is broken. I mean, the difference between 3.6 and 3.61 are very few minor bug fixes and two new costumes for characters. That's it. But why but, would they proclaim 3.6 as the official one if well, 3.61 just fixes and, it? And this is what has come out, is that basically they hired a lawyer to see if, like, it, like they've been planning to do this for a while, but they hired a lawyer to consult with them 
how legal is what we're doing? What can we get in trouble for? And the lawyer basically told them, you're going to get fucked. Like, you are using Nintendo characters, Mario, Zelda. You could get destroyed, which, you know, is not implausible. Nintendo hasn't chosen to do that, and they wouldn't. But the fact is they could. So they were probably advised to, to, to disown this project as fast as possible. And that seems to be what has happened. But why not say, say 3.61 is the official version? It's so weird, right? It seems like they weren't quite ready to release that yet, but they were told they had to at a certain point. That's know? weird. Either way, my argument is that they... They said what they had to say. They have covered their ass. They have done what they need to do. Their job is done. Project M as a game will now exist however we choose it will exist. And as a tournament organizer, whenever I have a Project M tournament, I'm not going to run 3.6. I'm going to run 3.61. That's just what I'm going to do. There's been there's been this like this movement that we have to respect what the original developers wanted, and I'm just not on board with that. That they said things that they had to say to cover themselves legally. Whether yeah. or not we adhere to that is up to us. I'm not going to adhere to it, and I hope others don't. It's just a shame because it's a very community driven project. Seems like and they that, should have just opened up all the source yeah, stuff and just made it open source. That's part of what was their problem, is that while they were legitimate, or however you call it that, while they were not under serious threat, legal threats, they they still kept everything closed source. Yeah. That they want, and they built up some credibility, honestly, in in being a legitimate game developer. Yeah, that people trusted them, that they wouldn't make stupid decisions about game game balance or anything like that. They were viewed as a, a credible authority on certain things. It's just a shame for them to to vanish like this, because now we're left to sort out what are we going to do? Are we going to use their last official version? Are we going to improve on it? And then there's a third branch that says we're not just going to improve on it, we're going to continue. But that seems to be less popular. Either way, it's a it's a very difficult position to be in. Well, but a, what I will say is that at the Project M tournaments that I put on, we are going to use Project M 3.61, the unofficial leaked bug fix build. That is what we're going to use, period. Well, now that uh, now that everyone stopped listening, uh, thank you. I guess we can wrap up our. We can, we can. Now that everyone's eyes have glazed over and they've they've slowly nodded off. They've nodded off into the Charles Slumber. Who knows? Ryan Gyran Rosling in the chat says that he's still been here, and that's all I need, folks. Thank you for listening to the Pusher Shop Podcast. We sincerely appreciate your viewership. Subscribe to the channel. Like this video. Share it with all your friends. Thanks for your Call feedback your on last episode, commenters. Thanks for your feedback. Call your mother. Tell her about this. Call your dad if he's not too disappointed in you. Tell him about it. Tell, tell your dog. Tell all his friends. Your dog. Your dog's friends need to know about this. Push a shout. Tell your dog.
Push your shot, dog cast. Thank you. Dog, dog, dog.